0: That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial
1: Management. Lewis SFA and Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis.
2: Welcome, and thanks for joining us once again on Money Matters. During the next
3: hour,
1: join us, Linda Lewis. And I'm Doug Lewis, a Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we are the Lewis family.
3: Well, Doug, Linda, what do we have on the list of uh, things we'd like to talk about tonight?
2: Well, what's new in the world of retirement planning, Doug? Did-
1: there was actually an interesting article that I that grabbed my eye, at least, because the article said, "Helping your adult children stop, stop it." I thought that was a really good one because it just dovetails so much into what we are advising so many of our clients. In our offices day to day during the week. That's right.
3: That's exactly right. You know, it's your hard earned money and it is for your retirement. And that retirement was hard won. You know, a lot of baby boomers are putting retirement at risk by spending too much on their adult children. And I think that's the big focus.
1: It is. There've been a number of surveys recently that have come back and, 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 and given us the same conclusions. One in three U.S. households are assisting adult children financially. And that is compared to only one in five who are supporting their older parents. So the more baby boomers put out for adult kids, the less they can put aside for themselves. And that's scary because as they live longer and the baby boomers are living longer and longer, they need savings that's going to last them into their 80s and 90s. That's right. And that can put a big wrench
3: in the retirement savings. And you can't take a loan out for retirement. (laughs) You know, sorry, I didn't save enough. Can I borrow it?
1: (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. The funny thing is that the less well off you are, the more you have to say to your grown children, I don't have it to give to you. And that's a hard thing for a lot of parents to say. But many a time, that's when you know, the rubber hits the road in our office when we're sitting there analyzing the ability of the client. Can you make it? And we look through their living expenses and we notice what is this miscellaneous 3000 a month item? Right. And say, oh, well, that goes to help my son, Johnny. And how old is Johnny? Is he 12 or 14? Uh, no, he's 43. Right. Well, right. That's got to stop. Right. Because you will He's got another life to live. You don't.
3: That's right. That's right. And fairly often, this comes too late um, in in, in life to be able to say, well, I'll just keep working.
1: You know, know, they did give a couple of actual cases. Well, let's look at those. Yeah, that was in that article. There was the executive director of a nonprofit in Seattle. Okay. And she had a daughter and a son-in-law. This woman, the director... She's 66 years old. She earns $230,000 a year. Wow, that's a good living. And the couple, they are professionals in their 30s, and they have a combined annual income of about $115,000. So the kids themselves have $115,000 income. Right. The mother says she'd like to retire, but her financial planner has warned her that she needs $2.5 million set aside to maintain her lifestyle, and that $2.5 million Right now, what she has now is going to run out by her early 80s at her current rate of spending. Wow. So she's gotten the news from her financial planner as we've given our clients so often that you're not going to make it. Right, underscoring, of course, at
3: 230000 for her and one hundred fifteen for the young couple. These aren't poor people.
1: No, 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 but these are... True cases. And there was another case.
3: Yeah, I think a 48 year old woman in um, up in the Northeast, and she was admitting that she and her husband, who is a finance executive, give their 20 something year old daughter tens
1: of thousands of dollars of support. Yeah, now that was an interesting case too, because she, the daughter, 22 years old, she asked, What's the money for? She said, The money covers the share of a rent on a Christian. I mean, on a, uh, a Brooklyn apartment, her frequent use of Uber car services, regular manicures, pedicures, and clothing purchases. And she said to her daughter, she said, you know, I don't understand why you need all of that. When I was 22, I ate pizza every night.
2: Right. The- $4 pi- uh, lattes and
3: <laughs> $14 kale salads.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's a sad story, but it's true. And we see it more and more.
3: Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management,
1: 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. Now I think we should pause right now. We've got a call coming in. Uh, Christina, are you on the line? This is Doug, Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening?
4: Hi, yes. Uh, I was actually listening to your, to your show. I think it's funny that you're talking about adults supporting our parents supporting adult children. Luckily for me, um, I no longer have my parents supporting me. I'm twenty five year old and, you know, luckily I'm on my own and have a good job for you. Myself.
1: <laughs> good for you, Christina.
4: Thank you. Um so I'm I think I'm kind of at that age where I um, you know I have a good job. I'm I'm one of those maybe still living in the now. I have a couple of those lattes, as you mentioned. Um, <laughs> and so I'm just trying to figure out at what point I should start um, saving saving for the future, kind of planning for, for, for retirement, um, what, what I should invest in.
1: All right, and- Christina. Well, I'm glad that you are calling. I'm glad that you're enjoying $4 lattes. Deborah Esker, let's get some facts about Christina so we can answer her question.
3: Sure. You said you're 25. Yes. And are you single or married?
4: I am single.
3: Okay. And no children? No children. Okay. <laughs> and and no dependents uh, is really where I was going with that. And your income? My
4: income is about 50.
3: Okay. All right. And do you have anything, have you contributed anything to your retirement plan at work?
4: Yes, I do have a 401k. Okay. Um, and I've been contributing to that since, I, since I've had it for a couple of years now. But I, I think... Is that all I should
1: be doing? Well, well let's, well, let's yeah, start let's with f- the expenses. Do you have any idea what your living expenses are, Christina?
4: Um.
1: Yeah. What does it cost you to live on a monthly basis? What do you think?
4: Um, probably yeah. around eight to nine
1: hundred. Eighteen hundred or nineteen hundred? No, eight to nine hundred. Eight to nine hundred dollars. Oh, so you've got over two thousand a month uh, extra. Actually, no. That
4: that's kind of low. <laughs> 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 you put it that way. Okay. Um, no, probably. Yeah, probably about about. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I paid. I just paid off my car, so. So now, yes, I have a little bit more than than before. So probably, let's say, um, twelve like twelve hundred.
1: All right, about twelve hundred dollars a month. You think is what it costs to support yourself? Right. All right, and now you're on your four hundred one k. Does your employer match at all? Anything?
4: They
1: do. They match up to 4%. And, and they match up to 4%. And how much are you contributing of your salary?
4: So, so they match 100% to 4%. And then they do 50 from 4 to 6%, that additional 2%. Uh-huh. I'm contributing 6%.
1: Okay, that's good. You're doing exactly where I would tell you to stop. No more, but certainly no less, because they're giving you free money. Mm-hmm. Now, in the 401k, you need to understand what choices you have. Do you know where you are having the money invested? What are the investment choices?
4: I don't know that.
1: Okay. Number two, you need to know what about the extra that's left over every month that on your paycheck. And that becomes the most crucial thing. We actually call that pay yourself first. And what we mean by that is once you've got your expenses, and I would recommend, jot down our our office number. 919-872-7000.
3: Okay, that was 919-872-7000.
1: Okay. And write down our website, DougAndLinda.com. Okay. And then after the show... Call the office, leave your number, and Deborah will schedule a meeting for you to come in and meet with her or me and actually start financial planning. But the first thing we're going to look at when you come in is we're going to look out what are the expenses and what's left over afterwards and how you can begin what's called a pay-yourself-first investment plan. The beautiful thing is at age 25, you have the strong possibility of becoming a middle-class millionaire long before you were in your 60s. and Sounds great. <laughs> it is, it, and it's great because you have the magic of years. Mm. Compounding works over the years much more than looking for hitting the lottery. So that's the important thing. The second thing, of course, is that you need to go ahead and get a handle on how to invest, where to invest, what types of things to invest in. But this pay-yourself-first investment will be a probably a mutual fund, not in a retirement plan. Okay. So just as you're putting money automatically into your 401k plan, automatically, you will automatically put money into a mutual fund that is not in a retirement plan. And these two, which you could call buckets, These two buckets will grow through the years in such a way that Deborah will be able to show you in 10 years how much you will have, in 20 years how much you will have, and so forth. That's the beginning of financial planning. Other questions that you may ask when you come in for your appointment will be, what about life insurance? Do I need any? What about health insurance? Am I properly covered? What about a will? Do I need one? What should be in my will? What about my income taxes? And any other questions that you want? Once you finish that appointment, you will feel, wow, I've got control of my life. And that's what a financial planning session looks like from the beginning. Right, Deborah?
3: That's true. That's absolutely true. I was just doing some um, pen to paper to see what she could accumulate. I hadn't gotten to the answer yet, but it is really the power, Christina, of years. I mean, as someone... um, uh, who is in their 20s, what you have is 30 plus years before you will be tapping this amount of money. So even if you just use the guideline of 10% of every dollar I make, 10% goes into savings and investing, you, you create the likelihood that just like Doug said, you'll be a middle-class millionaire in your middle age. This is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. Call me at 919-872-7000.
2: And, you know, um, as far as your retirement plan, um, you know, uh, you want to check just to make sure who the beneficiary is on your retirement plan. Because if anything changes in your situation, um, you know, in the future you may you may want to revisit that and see who is the beneficiary of your retirement plan.
1: Do you think that gives you a little handle on how to get started?
4: Yeah, it does. I mean, I think when I go in, I'll probably ask more specific questions like what a mutual fund is.
1: Well, <laughs> the good, well, well We've you, got more specific great. answers. <laughs> I, I will guarantee you only one thing. I will guarantee you two things. I don't guarantee many things. Two guarantees you will have. You will come out of that meeting with every question you come in answered every question will be answered for you and number two you will come out saying wow i sure understand a lot that i never knew
3: that's right that's right well christina um thank you for calling can you think of any other questions
4: no i think i think you pretty much answered i'll call the office and i'll set up an appointment i definitely would like to um get more into depth so i can like i said have a handle on my feature
2: (laughs) that is great and we're so proud of you and uh Thank you so much for calling. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye, Christina. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you'd like or if you've been thinking about uh, scheduling an appointment with a financial advisor or maybe you want a second opinion about where your investments are currently, call us at Lewis Financial Management, and we will be happy to schedule an appointment for you and that number in Raleigh. Uh, is 919 That's 919-USA-7000.
3: You know, Doug and Linda, I am repeatedly impressed by how uh, young um, and astute... And paying attention to details, our callers have become in the last year and the people who are calling to make appointments at our office. Uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, this is very different than, you know, 30 years ago or 25 years ago when we started the radio show and the callers were primarily pre-retirement or retirement years. You know, it makes a difference when you start it when you're 25. So I can't say enough how you know proud I am of young people who are listening to the show, asking questions. These are the things that will make a difference in their life.
1: Well, what, yeah, what, I like about, what I like about Christina is she can afford her $4 lattes. That's right. <laughs> and she can still <laughs> accumulate right. and become a middle-class millionaire. And when she comes in for her appointment, by the way, we forgot to tell her, we will give her a choice of either one of three books. Number one, middle-class millionaire. Number two, wealthy barber. Or number three, simple wealth, inevitable wealth. Well, right before her call came in, we were wrapping up the uh, the article that talked about helping adult children, parents helping adult children, and why they should stop it because they are really creating problems for themselves. And the one uh, uh, woman that you were talking about, Deborah, in the article, she, uh, her, the the couple itself oh, had the, a.
3: That's right. That's right. So they have this daughter. They had a comfortable income. Well, yeah, that's true too. Um and and they were being told the same thing which was, you know, here you are with a six-figure income, but uh you know, have you purchased long-term insurance? Well, no, we're still supporting our daughter. Have you put aside everything you need for retirement? Well, no, we're still supporting our daughter. And they knew that at, at they're comfortable living, they were going to need a um, you know, many mo- millions of dollars to maintain their lifestyle in retirement. And at this point, they were just wondering if And when their daughter will become self-sufficient so they could get back to, you know, being able
1: to save for retirement. It's really sad that it's not just a matter of afford. In my opinion, it's a bad idea even for the affluent wealthy parents to fund their adult kids. Because giving them tens of thousands of dollars a year for apartments and cars and restaurant meals sends the message to them that you'll keep paying for a lifestyle that they can't afford on their own. And you probably can't afford or don't want to be afford, funding it forever. So the message is also crucial. So bottom line to the article, bottom line to my advice, if you are helping your adult children, stop.
3: Especially if it's at your own expense. But yeah. And take
2: time. If, if uh, this sounds like your situation, uh, parents love their children and want to take care of them and spoil them because you know when you're young and single and you're, you're wanting to get married and then wanting to have your first child then those are the kinds of things you think about so think about working with a certified financial planner that can help you sort out these things and make sure that you're on the right track with regard to your retirement call us at lewis financial management to set up your appointment to address your financial planning issues 919 that's 919 919- USA 7000.
3: Well, Doug, Linda, we had a co- listener who uh, called in and left us some questions. Um, and they were really some that I thought we might share with our listening audience.
1: All right. What were they? What, what, well, what's the what's fir-
3: sure. There was, it, they were all about REITs. And this is something that I think that um, we discuss frequently enough. But our first question was, can you explain what a REIT
1: is? All right. Let's get into it a little bit. First of all, REIT which is an acronym, R-E-I-T, stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. Okay, And a REIT is a pool of money structured as a corporation, just like IBM or any other corporation, that only owns real estate. So a, a stock, for example, a company like IBM, they have a lot of things happening inside that company. Well, a REIT is a corporation... But it's different because it only has real estate, has its ownership, and it has a special tax law. A special tax treatment says that if you pay out 90% of all the income that you, the REIT, make to your shareholders, then you don't have to be taxed. You, the REIT, you're a tax-free corporation, which IBM and other corporations are not. Other corporations pay taxes. The REIT does not. What that means is the shareholder actually gets more money because the double tax is avoided. So that's what a REIT is. It's a pool of money structured as a corporation owning only real estate.
3: Okay. Linda, do we have a caller?
2: Yes, I believe we do.
3: Okay. Well, while we're waiting, Doug, one of the things that is about, um, that another part of the question was what were some of the benefits? And I think we, we uh, touched on one of the very first benefits, but that's a benefit for the REIT itself, that it doesn't pay the uh, corporate taxes. What are some of the benefits of a REIT to an investor?
1: Yeah, the benefits of the REIT to the investor are you make more income. It's a higher income producer. Okay. So you think about a REIT, to the investor, the REIT now, for the investor that's looking for income, All right. dividends, yields, he's able to get more money, and it's aimed at the income-oriented okay. investor. The REIT itself is crucial because we have to understand if if Kim, who was the person who called in and who wrote in about those questions, she wanted to know, of course, what a REIT is, and we said what it is. It's a real estate investment trust, but the benefits of the REIT to the investor or income now that's not the same as the benefit of a stockholder
3: that's right normally that's
1: right. a person who buys a stock is looking to have the stock grow in value and turn around and sell it for a profit but that's not the benefit of the REIT. The REIT is it produces a higher income an income to the investor that means it falls into the category of investments that income looking income oriented investors are looking for like like bonds CDs. And so forth.
3: And you make a good point because that's what there's been a lot of rush to is investments that have income. And so that might be a uh probably its best benefit as far as what a REIT can provide, monthly income.
1: All right. Monthly or quarterly.
3: That's true, monthly or quarterly. This is Deborah Lewis. Call 919 872 7000 to set an appointment with me regarding your financial situation. Call me at nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand.
1: All right, now what else does she ask? Well, the third question um, was, what are some of the disadvantages of a REIT? Okay, now that's good too, because every investment has advantages and disadvantages. Yes. And the disadvantages of a REIT are generally, you're not going to get much growth. Okay. Your 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 investment isn't going to grow very much. That's not what you're looking for. If you compare investments to chickens, and chickens give off eggs, some chickens get fatter and fatter and fatter, and other chickens don't. They just give off lots of eggs. This is a chicken that just gives off eggs. Lots and lots and lots of eggs. But the chicken...
3: Itself the, doesn't get larger. Right.
1: So, right. let's say you buy a certain amount of a REIT. You're not going to get any growth to your principal. That's not what you're looking for. That's the disadvantage.
3: Okay. All right. Well, what are the differences between a traded and
1: a non-traded REIT? Oh, that's a good question. Because a REIT is just like the stock of IBM or stock of AT&T or any other stock. It can trade on the stock exchange. But many REITs are offered to the public non-traded. Okay, They can later on trade, but they're offered non-traded, which means that the non-traded REIT does not go up and down in value like any other stock on the stock exchange. Another stock goes up and down, up and down. You can find it dropping one day, rising another day but not a non-traded read.
3: So would you say that this part, that, that the non-traded would be a lot less volatile or not volatile? There is no volatility okay. to
1: something that's not trading. All right. So the non-traded REIT has no volatility. But on the other hand, it could go on the stock exchange, and many of them do, uh, one of the most famous ones that I think of was a mini warehouse back in the old days in the 80s, which was not at all traded. And now it does trade and it's called public storage and it trades in every day. The price goes up and down, up and down. Hilton Hotels is another one and so forth. So you can go on the stock exchange and the REIT might trade and then it's a traded REIT and it could be earlier in its stage an untraded REIT or non-traded REIT.
3: All right, well, ultimately... Um would you recommend a person over fifty-five having a REIT in their portfolio?
1: You know, I think that's a good question because, first of all, they they definitely could find a place in the portfolio of an individual if that's what she was over fifty-five. Yes, it could be. We have to be careful. Because there's the proper due diligence necessary.
3: Yeah, you want to know what kind of REIT, which REIT, what's the sponsor. I mean, there's a lot of due diligence that goes into owning a REIT.
1: There are REITs that own just apartments. Mm -hmm. There are REITs that own just office buildings. Mm -hmm. There are REITs that own uh, raw land. There are REITs that and, own hotels. And
3: there are REITs that own a combination of these ones that you've just listed. That's exactly right, also Deborah. And some healthcare.
1: There are REITs that own healthcare, Linda. REITs. You're right. So you want to know, number one, what kind of REIT is suitable for you. Number two, the track record of the sponsor who is offering that REIT. Really good Number point. three, the risks in that particular industry. For example, if you're expecting a strong income and it's a, a hotel REIT, well, hotel rents go they're last for only one day. Right. That that, that, that contract <laughs> is very uh short. Right. So this all these factors go into the proper due diligence. But should a person over fifty, over fifty five have a REIT in their portfolio? Nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing yeah, wrong with it at all.
3: Well, very good. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com.
1: Now, moving to the other side of the age spectrum, I did see an interesting uh, article in the Wall Street Journal by Jason Zweig, and he talked about high school and junior high schools, which are teaching kids about picking stocks. All right. Tell us more. Well, I thought it was interesting. They gave them a game. And before you conclude that the game has fostered a bunch of Warren Buffett, you need to understand that many of these young portfolio managers, what they were trying to do, they were trying to beat the market over a 14-week period by taking as much risk as possible. Yes,
3: so so they these, weren't being real, real investors. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, well, so... The SIFMA uh, the Foundation was the one that was behind this. The SIFMA, S-I-F-M-A Foundation, which is a nonprofit educational affiliate of the Securities Industry and Financial Markets Association, they set this thing up. There were 4,400 teams of students from high schools and junior highs around the country. They competed to earn the highest return on an initial $100,000 of make-believe money. The top 10 teams got an all-expenses-paid trip to Washington, usually including a private meeting with members of Congress. Now, when I read about this from Jason Zweig, I thought it was interesting, but I thought it was a very sad commentary that we'd even be teaching children about Uh, Speculative greed, which is really what they were doing there, taking as much risk as possible. Much better to teach them the basic conservative aspects of wealth accumulation. uh, So that they too one day could be a middle class millionaire. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'm so happy that some schools are teaching uh, about investments at this young age.
2: It it really is... uh Erasing or, uh, you know, financial illiteracy and starting at an earlier age so that even young people who, you know, at this age and stage uh, feel very entitled (laughs) to have all
1: the gadgets and widgets. But it's good for them to learn such things. That's the good news, Linda, that there is an attempt to deal with the financial illiteracy that we faced when we were... Opening up this radio show in 1990, our main goal on WPTF was to address the financial illiteracy that was blanketing the uh, the research triangle in eastern North Carolina. We, we would find uh, CPAs that would come to us as clients and attorneys and even business professors that really don't, they they were financially illiterate as far as understanding the basics of of ah uh, of investing of wealth accumulation of reading their pay stubs and everything. So I'm happy to see that there's an attempt to go ahead and deal with it. I don't think they're dealing with it correctly, but at least they're attempting to deal with it.
4: Yeah,
3: it's. Um, I think it's impressive and uh, useful and time well spent. This is Deborah Lewis of Lewis Financial Management. Call us at 919-872-7000 to speak about your situation and to set up an appointment. 919-872-7000. I uh, uh, girl tours on Saturday and I was in two different shops and this is a true story. I was in two different shops and I was thumbing through, of course, their magazines as you're waiting to be the next appointment. Mm-hmm. And in both of them, in two major women's magazines, I saw articles that were titled either exactly like or similar to your financial checklist. Really? Yes.
1: In ladies' magazines. In ladies'
3: magazines. And two thoughts came to mind. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're putting out the news, what you should do. And then the other was a huge caution in front, in, inside of me going, well, you know, this is stuff you need to know. How much of it you need to be doing on your own is a totally different story.
1: What, what what was on the checklist, the well, financial checklist? What was on it?
3: Uh, the first one was defe- a version of devel- develop a personal retirement uh, expense
1: budget. Well, I think that's tremendous. I mean, that is exactly where we begin in our office. Yes. You have to. You can't start financial planning if you don't have... An itemized list of your expenses. Do you know what your expenses are? Your
2: living expenses. That's right.
1: That's right. I don't agree with setting off uh, broad rules of thumb and percentages and no. I'd much rather have a list of your expenses. That's what we do in our office. We begin by getting your living expenses so we know what it is we're headed for.
3: That's right. Well, another thing that they were saying was run a retirement projection and know the retirement income sources.
1: Well, that's also very important because once you know the expenses, then we have to go to what are the income sources that are out there for you to cover your expenses.
3: And it seems simple, but then we know, that we know the delta, the difference between the two, and we know what we have to solve and plan for.
1: I will say this. This is not something that you should do on your own. You need to be paying a knowledgeable advisor like, like Lewis Financial Management to work with you on getting the projection nailed down as far as income streams and expenses. Yes, but that is crucial to run a projected income analysis.
2: You know, a lot of folks are just so busy diligently working and it, it, it pays to do it now to work with an advisor that can help you sort out all these details about what you'll be able to depend on as income when you retire, right?
3: That's right. I mean you really you really can't do it on your own. You you have to you have to start somewhere, but start with a list of questions and then and then work with an advisor.
1: But I like the idea of a checklist. That's very good. So number yeah. 1 on the checklist was to get a personal Your expenses ret- yeah, An expense list. And number and then, 2 was a projected income. That's very right. good. What and was no, number 3?
3: Number 3 was um you know develop a, a net worth statement. So, you know, re- and then review it annually, well,
1: you know. That's very important. That yes. has nothing to do with income or expenses. This is a net worth. This is what you own and what you owe. That's right. A net worth statement or a financial statement either one list everything you own and everything you owe and that becomes another picture of your world
3: if you need help call me deborah lewis 919-872-7000 919-872-7000 well, the next um to do item was to review your pension options. Lump sum, single, joint, survivor, or other options can have a major impact on your retirement. So you really need to know. It, um, you know, if you're married, it's entirely different than if you're single. You need to know what this pension option is and what it would mean to you.
1: I'm thinking many people that I've seen through my the years I've been doing this, Have come from nonprofits where they have something called a 403b, and that's a type of retirement plan where uh, you may be a teacher or a principal or a professor at a university. And when I've looked at what where they have been positioning their retirement money, they have been locking themselves out of ever taking a lump sum because they've been in the wrong kind of choice inside that 403b that's right and sometimes it's very sad they've been contributing for 15 years but it's too late they can't change it because nobody ever walked them through their pension options right lump sum single survivor single uh joint and survivor the different options there and how it will fit into where they're trying to achieve so that's a very important part of the financial checklist review your options for pension
3: right and and you know Uh, Social security is just as important and that was the next thing on their list was know your social security options. I must say three times a week out of five appointments uh, that, you know, talking to people young, middle age, older, retired, pre-retirement, doesn't matter where you are, get to know what your options are in social security in regard to social security income, whether it's signing up on the website,
1: calling, finding out, you want to know what your options are at age 62, at full retirement age 66, by waiting at age 70. All these options on, uh, that you can have for social security, you need to know them, and that's perfect. I like these for these items on the checklist, they're very good.
3: The next and, two I'm going to, well, oh, go and,
2: ahead. You know, Dub, uh, I just wanted to add that. Uh, when you turn 70 and a half that you're going to be you'll have another slice of income that you didn't have before because you will be required to take money out of your retirement plan right
1: so that's another age out of that's your right IRA. That, that well that goes back to in the your- pension or the IRA or the 401k that's exactly right Linda that's another income source that's going to kick in at age 70 and a half for many people
3: this is Deborah Lewis our number at the office is 919 919- Eight seven two seven thousand nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. You know, I'm going to lump the next two together because they deal with insurance. One is know your life insurance needs, and the other one is you know, if, if it if it's time, let's find out if if long term care ne- insurance is needed. Um, those are both stop gaps and depend on your situation.
1: Well, in preparing for retirement, that's very important to look at this matter of do I still need life insurance. Many times we find that people who did need life insurance when they were in their early working years no longer need it now. They're no longer worried about if I die because they have now saved through their working years and it might be the time to stop the insurance. You don't just keep paying for insurance if you don't need it. So that's important. That's a really good point. And then the matter of long-term care insurance becomes even more tricky because long-term care or nursing home insurance has a lot of different variations and a big expense factor. So the question there is that if you don't think you can afford it, are you able to cover it in some other way? So I like these items. So now we're down to how many points in your checklist you found?
3: Uh, Seven. The next one is probably the, the biggest one that people think about when they think about planning for retirement, but it's obviously like this list and others, one of many, and that is review your investments. And if it's not reviewing your investments, it's getting to know your investments. When Christina called in earlier and we asked her about her 401k, which of course is just, the account that holds the investments right you need to know what's inside your investment holder if it's personal and you own it outright one thing if it's in your 401k know what it is so review your investments find out if that investment selection is still appropriate for you and it's
2: important to make sure that you have a proper asset allocation
1: that's right linda
2: make sure that you're Total portfolio isn't in a fixed annuity or an index annuity.
1: You know, Linda, the saddest thing that I can think of is meeting with a client who has been working and accumulating for 30 years and I ask them what investments they have inside their 401k and they have no idea. They have no idea what their investments are. And it's like, I mean, that is so sad. They have been throwing money into this pot Year after year after year without any idea of what they've got, what kind of investments they've got, and who's been handling the investments, that should never be the case. You should always know your investment portfolio and you should know everything about it.
3: That's right. I mean, you've got to know how you're going to meet your income needs from these investments so you better know these investments. Very good. All right, so next on our list um, is simplify your life and consolidate accounts.
1: Well, that's what Linda always says simplify, simplify, make it simple.
3: If you hear something tonight that sounds like your situation, call us, set up an appointment. We can help you. 919 872 7000. 919 872 7000. You know, it is, it is
2: a common thing in our
3: office, and many of our
2: listeners, I'm sure, you may have the same situation. As I said earlier, most folks are diligently working, and if they lose their job, they go to the next job. But when that happens, you may have had a 401K or a 403B from the last employer that is still sitting there. And you don't know what's going to happen with that employer, so you better make sure that you exercise the option that you can, which is roll it over into an individual IRA In your name. Isn't that true, Doug? Because it's better to to consolidate.
1: Well, I think what you're saying is very good, Linda, that you don't want to have two or three different custodians. You don't want... uh, uh, One 401k from one old employer and another one from another old employer and so forth. You want to have all of your retirement money that is possible under one custodian, whether it is a 401k or whether it's an IRA, it should all be under one custodial account. That's exactly exactly right. And with regard to bank accounts, the same thing. I know, Linda, so many times we've had a client come in the office and you've gathered the facts on them and you you found out they have, you know, he has three checking accounts and she has three checking accounts and one uh, credit union savings account and so forth. And the first thing I've seen you ask them is why? Why do you have all these accounts and everything? Simplify. You don't need all of that.
2: You know, many years ago we had a client, he had 11 insurance policies and- You know, somebody made some commission, but make sure that you work with a competent advisor, a certified financial planner that can look at your situation, help you sort things out, help you simplify and help you plan
3: for the future. That's right. And you know, it's funny is in real life and on this list, the last thing mentioned is the state documents. So, you know, you know, figuratively and literally, it's the last thing you do. <laughs> you know, whether or not you make that decision or not is up to you. So definitely get in front of at least knowing what you have and what you need. You know, if you don't have a will, a trust, power of attorney, etc., at least find out what you do need. And that again, just to underscore what Linda's saying is that happens with a meeting where where you can talk with a someone who's on your side, looking at everything you have, wondering, if you're wondering these, these same things, a lot of people are, so much so that it's in the ladies' magazines, it's in the business magazines, it's in front of us all day long. There's a list of things that you and everyone around you can do to take care of yourself. And it begins with one and ends with 10, or it might be any combination in between. So bring all those checklists
2: with you. Call us at Lewis Financial Management in Raleigh, and we're going to give a shout-out to all our listeners in Wake Forest and uh, Holly Springs, Apex, Chapel Hill, Durham, Greensboro, and Wilmington. And if you have been collecting checklists, that you would like advice on, call us at Lewis Financial Management. You can leave your name and number at our office at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000.
1: Well, Doris, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you?
4: I have a house, and it has quite a large mortgage.
1: Okay. How big is the mortgage?
4: 231. Okay. The problem is it isn't selling, and... I want to move away. I've considered a charitable remainder trust, but uh-huh. I have been told by a CPA that that so. would mean that I would have to put 231 in cash and the house into such a trust.
1: Uh-huh. Well, no, he's not exactly correct. What you have to do is you pay off the mortgage first. You can't transfer a mortgaged property into a charitable trust. But there are ways around that. But he's right. You you have to pay off the trust the mortgage first, then transfer it in. How much do you have in liquid assets altogether? All of your other assets that are liquid?
4: It's around eight hundred thousand.
1: And what would the house sell for under a fire sale if there was no mortgage?
4: Maybe two seventy.
1: Okay. Number one, we need to move about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars of your liquid assets into mutual funds they can be very safe conservative mutual funds we can put those mutual funds in street name through a brokerage account and you can immediately write a check for two hundred and thirty thousand against them you are basically borrowing from yourself no application no uh, suitability no anything you take that two hundred thirty one thousand dollars and you pay off the mortgage you transfer the house, which is now mortgage-free, into a charitable remainder unit trust. You let the trust go ahead and sell the property immediately for as long as little as it, whatever it will bring. If it brings two hundred and seventy-five thousand, that's wonderful. If it brings two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, then you have it start paying you back immediately it pays you back monthly and it can pay you back because all that cash will be sitting in the trust that $275,000 sitting in the trust can go ahead and pay you maybe 24,000 a year or 2,000 a month that money as it comes back to you immediately can be used to go right back over to your margin account at your mor- uh, against your mutual funds in the meantime your mutual funds will also be producing income for you to live on and finally the capital gains will not be an issue because you will be given a charitable deduction of about $70,000 for making the transfer of the property into the charitable trust.
4: I'll make an appointment so I
1: can come and see you. All right. It can all be done, though. Thanks, Doris. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Doris, all right. That
2: number to call is 919 That's 919 if you're in the Raleigh area.
1: All right. Well, I really like... Doris's, uh situation, because on the surface, it looks like it's impossible, but there's nothing impossible about the situation. It's just a matter of moving a couple things around, and then she can achieve what she wants to achieve, which is selling the property, avoiding all capital gains taxes, and not having to sell off her investments to go ahead and clean the mortgage off on the property.
3: At the longer you do this, you find out that there are many situations where people feel immobilized. That's right. And immobilized by the complexity that they... Uh, that they have created almost in their own mind, because when you pull it apart, usually every solution is just wrapped up in a lot of different layers and choices. Mm-hmm. So when you pull apart this 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 complex web of of this scenario that Doris had, you could see, well, okay, here's how we can take care of this. We can take care of this solution. Every every one of those problems had a solution. They do, you know. And that's I think the best benefit that all of us can get from working for with a financial planner is really pulling apart our situation and finding out what our our problem is so we can find good answers.
1: That's exactly. You know? That's that's the in, the enjoyment from our side is finding the absolutely, solutions. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. This is Deborah Lewis of Lewis Financial Management. Call us at 919-872-7000 to set up an appointment to speak about your situation. 919-872-7000. Well, Doug, you know, we are often uh, talking about um, investments and the general world of investments has one big, huge uh, thing or or, uh, investment in it called mutual funds. And um, you pointed out earlier this week an article. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about it, about mutual fund managers.
1: Yeah, because you don't think that mutual fund companies will try to spin you, but... There is a wonderful uh, source of information that comes through a, a, a publication called Morningstar, which I like quite a bit because Morningstar has information that they really sell to the financial advisory firms like ours. So they're not promoting any particular a mutual fund company, but they, they report on mutual fund companies. And they did have this article where fund companies will try to spin you. And I thought this was really good because Morningstar said that it's not uncommon in the mutual fund world for firms to do some spinning of manager experience. It's the area that investors should be most skeptical about when it comes to funds. Now, if you think about that, you say, well, why is that the most important area? It's very simple. What is a mutual fund?
3: It's a pool of dollars that are going to be invested. By whom? By a person.
1: And that person is called a manager. So do you think you should know something about your I manager? I think I
3: should. If I'm going to write a check for any amount, 5,000, 50,000 or 500,000, I want to know who's making those choices.
1: Exactly. Now, Morningstar says if a manager leaves, you know, some mutual fund companies may go so far as to say, well, Joe Smith was really managing the fund and Jane Doe had little to do with it. Which then raises the question, well, were they lying to you before when they <laughs> said Jane Doe was the manager? Right. Or are they lying to you now? Right. On the other hand, if a mutual fund performed poorly, the firm might try to dump all the poor performance on the manager who left. So the whole issue that Morningstar was alerting us to was... Be careful of the spin that the fund companies uh, put on their manager's uh, tenure and experience. And I think there are two ways to check on this. Of course, one way to check on your mutual fund manager, how long he's been at the at the fund, what his experience is, and how active is he managing your fund? Of course, is Morningstar. That's what Morningstar reports on. And the other is through your own certified financial planner, such as myself, such as yourself, Deborah. We are intri- intricately involved. Actually, I think it's important, if possible, your your planner should know the managers of your mutual funds.
3: Yes, indeed. Yeah, no, it's it's a very important thing. we got to know who is managing our money. And, you know, that's the Manning Manager. Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management.
1: 919-872-7000.
3: 919-872-7000.
1: Karen, are you there? This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Are you on hold?
4: Yes, I am.
1: How can we help you, Karen?
5: I have uh, one of my uh, portfolios with Vanguard, and I'm going to be 90, and I live off my, uh, you know, finance, uh, my portfolios. And uh, I have a portfolio with them, which is Wellesley, uh, Intermediate Corporate, and High Yield Corporate, and there's 135000 in those three, with the Wellesley, the highest amount in it. Uh, about sixty seven thousand in Wellesley, and the rest is intermediate corporate and high yield and um, <clears throat> I was just concerned what your opinion would be.
1: Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. you say you're ninety years old, Karen? I'm going to be in August and what is the entire <laughs> size yeah. the the entire size of your of of all of your portfolio you said this is one part of it Yes.
5: Well, I have different portfolios. All right.
1: So, what are the, what's the total of all of your portfolios? First of all, uh, outside of IRAs, I
5: would say about um, about three hundred thousand.
1: All right. So, it's about three hundred thousand total, and is all of it outside of IRAs? Oh yes. Okay. All right. Why do you have these funds? That's the first question I would ask you.
5: I have these funds because I I live on my. Uh,
1: but, I mean, why did you select these funds versus another fund?
5: Well, I, I researched them and listened to you, and I listened to a lot of financial programs, and I came to this decision. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I, what I would say is, Karen. First of all, we cannot, as, as you, if you, if you're a long time listener, you know, we never talk about a specific fund on oh, the air, yes. oh, right? Yeah. But I, but and, and and that's because of regulatory. Pre- if you call my office, though, all I right. will definitely go ahead and uh, give you specific opinion and research on each of the funds that you're all mentioning. Right. The, the right. phone number at the office is 7000, nine eight seven two
5: eight seven two seven thousand seven
1: thousand. I'll do now but before you get off, there. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to cheat you uh, <laughs> of, of any advice I can tell you. Uh-huh. All right. First of all, Vanguard is a family of mutual funds, which yes. is uh, traditionally passively. Uh, it's th- their their philosophy is passive versus active. Yes. And of course, you may have tuned in late earlier in the show this evening. We were talking about how we favor active management.
5: Yes, I heard you.
1: Right, and so. Uh, that's the first thing to let you know is that we do favor active management versus versus passive. But everything is designed starting with the client themselves. And I would love to go through all of you. You know what your expenses are, what your living Uh expenses, and to be able to work backwards to see if I think this is the best place or should you be in a better arrangement, a better allocation. Fine.
5: Fine. I will give you a call. Uh, Comes the first part of the week. (laughs) Thank you so much for for calling. Good.
3: We will definitely go through the specifics then,
1: Karen. All right. All right. Thank
3: you you for calling. And thanks for being a longtime listener. Well, Doug, we have some friends who are in a new business. Can you tell us?
1: Yeah, we have only a couple minutes left in the show, but I, I was very interested. We ran across a company called Assisted Moving. And so many of our clients, as they get older and they think of downsizing in their homes, they wonder, well, who can do it? And this company, I thought was very interesting. They're called Assisted Moving, and what they do, they provide services when you're moving. They plan, they facilitate, they sort out for downsizing. They uh, and a what-
3: lot of people when they're when they're gonna retire, they want to know who can they go
2: to for help. Exactly, and we're gonna talk about this in our next show about how when you want to um, move to a smaller home, who can help you? If you have to go to an assisted living facility or a retirement center, these folks can help you.
1: Yeah, the and, lady's name was Robin Roper, come to think of it. That was her company. I was very impressed.
2: Very good. And give give the number there, Doug. What's, yeah, well, they can call
1: our office. We got all the information from okay, Robin Roper's company good. at our office. All
2: right. Well, I think it's wonderful. And we thank all of our listeners this evening. Have a wonderful week. And thank you for joining us on Money Matters with the Lewis's
0: you've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.